are in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod, uh, along with Bridget Quinn. True. Author of Broad Strokes, now available in Ukrainian. Yes, it is. Thank you for saying so. I am Larry Rosen, your always ready host. Today, I'm always ready to do not one but two podcasts, the first of which will begin forthwith. Is that a word? Uh-huh. Okay. Our guest for podcast number one is Pete Mulvihill, the co-owner of the... Legendary. Iconic. Oh, iconic. That's a good word. I think iconic. Yeah. Green Apple Books. Green Apple Books is to San Francisco natives. As what? Powell's is to Portland. Yeah, I would say... As The but, Strand is to New York. You know, very well said. Yes, I would say that's true. I think when San Franciscans think of their bookstore, they, they think, think of, of Green Apple. Green Book. Apple. When visitors think of San Francisco's bookstore, they think of City Lights. Yeah, but it's kind of like the difference between cool the Golden Gate Bridge and, and Sutro Tower. Yeah, right. Um, we never think about the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, if you're not from I San Francisco, do sometimes yeah. only to remind myself I live that in San what I find very frustrating is something that people will save their whole year to come visit. That we go over, I, I go over it, unfortunately, almost every day because my oh, freaking right. kids go to school. On the other side of the and there's always traffic and it's always a little scary. Yeah. There's always craziness going on. But yeah. Pete, I but don't know how often Pete goes over. You know what Pete does? He swims in the bay. Oh, he's one of those guys. Yes, I love that. Oh, we're going to talk that. a little bit about that. But mostly yeah. we're going to talk about his uh, role in the literary community and what he has chosen to be his path. And I would say he may even argue that it chose him as much as he chose it. Would you say that's pretty fair? Yeah, I would say that. I would also say it's kind of like you don't know what your calling is till you're in the middle of it. And then yeah. how satisfying that must be to find find your love in your lap. Right, right. I have a friend like that uh, that I knew in my 20s who was going to school to be a graphic designer mm-hmm. and working at the Nordstrom's Espresso Bar by day. Guess what he does now? <laughs> He's a barista? Owns three espresso bars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he loves it. Loves it. I, I am cool. not really that close in touch with them. So I Googled him the other day, and there was a picture of him in, like, Bolivia sifting through coffee beans and Oh, my things. gosh. I think that's awesome. It is. But there's something so romantic about owning a bookstore. I mean, I And can't. challenging, too. Yes. Oh, no. I'm not. I'm not under. I'm not. It almost seems to me like it would be like owning an indie record label. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It's like, all right. So, I mean, you said he wanted to be a writer. And I we'll don't know. I still... think so because I think he got an MFA. Oh, we'll I find believe. that out. We'll see yeah. if he's still writing. But also, it's that same sort of thing. I, when I used to cover music, I knew a lot of these guys who wanted to be musicians, but then thought, you know, maybe uh, I've got something else to contribute to this scene here. Actually, I know someone like this who I was in the kind of the band scene with yeah. in the late 80s, mid late 80s, and he became a sound guy. Yeah. For bands. There's all kinds of yeah. stuff you can do. And owning a bookstore is, I mean, it's it's. You might even argue it's more important than being a writer when it comes to filling out a literary community. Also, am I wrong in saying there's something kind of glamorous about it? I know that sounds like like he's going to say, like, no, it's not glamorous, but there is something glamorous to me about it. You get to know all the writers. Yeah, and you're surrounded by books all the time. It's kind of like heaven. I think I wrote in my notes something along the lines that... It's more than being – it's different than if you owned you know, an oil change place or yes, an appliance store because you not only are a, a shop owner, you become sort of a pillar of the community. Yeah. Oh, my God. For because sure. Because people are coming in and out of there all the time. Uh, and I would say it also probably comes with some built-in caveats in that. I wonder if you were to 
compare percentage of people coming into your store versus percentage of people spending money, yeah. I bet it's a lot lower in bookstores than it is at Macy's. I don't know. I I literally cannot go into a bookstore without buying more than one book. It's like a oh, compulsion. Really? And also, I feel bad just buying one. I feel a little overwhelmed myself. Really? I yeah. wish I could have a little more self-restraint. I have to stop. My kids used to always want to go to bookstores because they knew they'd get stuff. That's funny. You know, and what's interesting is Pete, I read in an interview with him that he grew up a library guy. I know. I read Just that like too. me. I'm a library guy as well. I was in Montana, not in California. Why not? Because when I moved to Southern California as a teenager and went to the local library, they had had so many funds cut that they had almost no collection. In fact, that's where I first read oh. all of the Star Trek series of books. I remember when that <laughs> happened, when there were no longer books at the branch libraries yeah, and you and had to get them on reserve. Yeah, you had to get them on reserve. And it also wasn't open every day. Whereas in Great Falls, oh, yeah. we had this super cool modern li- like modern building library mm-hmm. with a big fountain out front. It was very glamorous and a giant kids section. Our, my first library in Clark's Green, Pennsylvania, which I just saw this past weekend, uh, was in a house. Oh, that's nice. Someone had converted their house into the library. That's super nice. It's not the library anymore. Now there's a real library, but that was, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Jeez. I know, my God. Time. A long time ago, but that's Larry not Larry sent here me an email, you guys, when he said he was 52. I am. And I don't know, maybe it was a text. And I, for some reason, seeing the numbers, the numbers freaked me out. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and that's when like, you hope for dyslexia. Like maybe 52? I'm actually 25. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm 50, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, so excited. enough about us, though. We're here to talk about Pete. Let's so about Pete, yeah. let's go get Pete. Okay. Dive right into a conversation about books. Dive. Bookstores. Oh, you know what else Green Apple's awesome at? Uh, Twitter. Yes. I love their Twitter feed. It's We're going to so cover good. it all, so okay. stay tuned. Okay. Pete, you stand here. You sit here before me today. Exactly how I had hoped. I had hoped you would come in wearing a T-shirt with something clever about books on it. Of course. Do you get them for free, probably? Uh, not this one. Okay. But, oh, wow. Not this one. But tell one. us, to, actually, I think it's significant what that is advertising, though, or promoting. Tell us what your T-shirt says before yeah, we say uh, anything else. It's Independent Bookstore Day, which this year will be on April 28th. Okay. Oh, that's the newest iteration of yeah. the T-shirt. There's a different one each year. Oh. And it's usually um, an illustrator or artist. Uh, this year it's Carson Ellis. I love it. Um, last year I think it was Lisa Brown, who's a local mm-hmm. uh, local illustrator and artist. Um and it's, uh, you know, a cute little... Well, animal. we're going to have more on Independent Bookstop- Book Bookstore Store Day coming up. Yeah. And it's going in. Um, we were talking about, you know, not wanting to make this an hour of hammering on independent versus large bookstores, Amazon, et cetera. I think well, that'll be hard to avoid. Sure. But let's not start there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unless you just did. Let's start with you because I think your story, yeah. and we talked about this in our intro a little bit. Um, I wouldn't call it the law of unintended consequences, but I do want to know how intended it was when you started out. Tell us a little bit about how you first got involved with Green Apple, because I think okay. it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, I just um, I moved here right after college, which was 1993. From? Um, uh, Col- well, I grew up in the D.C. suburbs, mm-hmm. um, went to school in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. Colorado College, and oh, yeah. then spent the summer teaching. I, uh, I sort of thought maybe teaching would be in my future. I, the Johns Hopkins has this program called the Center for Talented Youth, mm-hmm. and I used to teach. They had a, it was basically summer camp for nerd kids. And um, I was a teaching assistant. Go to college. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I would teach. I was an assistant teaching writing in the summer. And uh, and then my summer was wrapping up. And it was either I had a um, I had gotten into some journalism grad schools and was thinking about that. And about two weeks before summer ended, 
my college roommate, who had spent the whole summer driving around the West to see where he wanted to live, called and he said, hey, I'm in San Francisco. So I get a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom. And the same day, the University, university of Oregon called and said, we've got a full, full ride and a stipend, but you've got to be here in 10 days. And oh, so my gosh. gosh. Yeah. So I drank a lot. <laughs> As one does. I'm really fascinated with those sort of moments. My sister once told a story when she was in her early 20s. She had met this guy and she was going to North Carolina to get married to him, which was a bad idea. Wait, she had met him and got. She him? met him, you know, oh, yeah. overseas. And, and, okay. and she had first went to her friend's house in Indiana and she's driving south to go to North Carolina. And she said she got to an intersection. And she just went to the right instead of the left and ended up in Texas at my aunt's house. I said, what did your face look like? (laughs) And she said, impassive, nothing. (laughs) So you're you're faced with this decision and you're drinking. Yeah, well... How do you make you gotta, the decision? You clear your mind. Right. You clear your That's the Zen know. way. I don't know. I didn't know what else to do. Um, and I just I just woke up and I thought, you know, you can go to grad school anytime you want. Mm. Um, so I picked San Francisco. Wow. Um, and actually, I feel like journalism has a lot of parallels over the last 20 years to, to the bookstore challenges. Completely agree. Um, you know, the online and the who's going to pay for it. And, and the free and versus the, free, the not free. Exactly. And so, um, quote, unquote, free. I think it, I would have had a similar... Um, mm-hmm. Angst for the last twenty five years. <laughs> so I thought you did have an MFA. I did. I okay. went, so I started working at Green Apple as a temp. I yeah. moved here. I, no I tried job. to get a job in journalism. I had not enough skills. There weren't enough jobs. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a, a mini recession here. I remember. Um, I should have bought. Should have bought a house that year. Yeah. Right? Those yeah. days when you could just <laughs> wander into San Francisco uh, yeah. without I mean, a plan. I still felt like you know my my apartment was still not cheap. It was half my. Half my income or yeah. more. I think it was 55%. Um, but I stumbled into this temp job at Green Apple. Um, they hired me to help the bookkeeper out. They had been producing their 25th anniversary. And they had a series of author events, and the bookkeeper had been helping out with that a lot. So he'd kind of fallen behind. And were you going through a temp agency? No. Oh, okay. uh, well, sort of. I, I stumbled. that's amazing. I was yeah. Actually, <laughs> it was the funny part. I was having my... Second interview, I, I lived just above the Castro on Twin Peaks, and I thought, okay, I'm not getting a, a real job, so I'm going to go um, just get what I can, but I want to be able to walk to work. So I went to the Castro. I thought you were going to say I went to the Castro and went to dance in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. So I went down to what just find something that I could walk to and uh, dropped my resume off a few places. I got a second interview at a vitamin store. And mm-hmm. um, you can see I'm not the kind of guy that, you know, <laughs> takes a lot of vitamins. You're a hell fellow. Well, I don't know. <laughs> And, uh, and on my way back from that, um, I, stu- I dropped by a temp agency and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, anything having to do with books or reading or teaching or journalism or, you know, literature. And they called me the next day and said, there's this bookstore. So, oh, that's um, the hand of God right And there. what did you know of Green Apple Books at the time? Because Larry and I were saying Green Apple is to San Francisco what the Strand is to New York. Like, it's the place what Powell's that... Powell's is. Powell's. Like, if you are right. a little less or, Powell's because other people... City Lights is to North Beach. Yeah, because no. people... <laughs> but we were saying what City Lights is to people well, who are visiting. What tourists okay. think is the San Francisco. Francisco yeah. bookstore. Well, Powell's has become kind of national now. Yeah. But back in the day, in I would Strand. say Strand is is more the way. Like because you know, San Franciscans think of Green Apple as our bookstore. Well, because and it's sort of this thing where until Powell's became popular. So when I lived yeah. in Seattle in the nineties, then people would say, "Oh, you go to Portland? You got to go to Powell's." Yeah. Go, What's Powell's? Oh, you got to go there. Right. Same thing with Green Apple. Even today, you got to go to Green Apple. What about Sea Lights? Just go to Green Apple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. so. Did you have any sense of that? No, no idea. I mean, I, I actually was a library kid growing up. We went to the library twice a week. I didn't really nice. know you could buy books. Do you hate kids like that now? Well, like, can you imagine now if, if like, 
if there weren't libraries and somebody said, let's tax people more, we'll open up these places, we'll give free books to everyone, you know, like the American Booksellers Association would be up in arms. I know. You can't just give these things away. I know. Yeah. It costs money, man. So I was, I was not used to buying books. Um, I was used to borrowing them and giving them back when I was done. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a little odd. Um, and I started in a strange way, just matching packing slips to invoices and um, entering daily sales into, mm-hmm. a, into a register. Um, so it was, a, it was an odd Did you get a lot of free start. books, though? Uh, there were plenty of free books. Because yeah. back in the day, there was only one green apple, and there was a great used section that was. Super it still is used. Is yeah. still you know probably it's not quite half our sales, but it's half the it's half the floor at least is our used books. So fun. And then we get all these great advanced reading copies from the publishers, right? Um, which is basically all I read. But it seems like there wasn't a huge. When I was reading about it last night, it seemed like there wasn't a huge amount of time between when you started as a temp. To when you guys entered into that ten-year agreement to eventually purchase yeah, it's true. the bookstore, it was a couple years, right? Yeah, so I worked there. There was um, there was a lot of um, transition going on. They had just unionized, I remember, and, yeah. um, and there was picketing, and it was kind of a it was a tough time. And I just put my head down and worked. I had friends who had moved here, and I wasn't trying to you know make mm-hmm. friends at work really. So I just kind of put my head down and worked. And um, the owner noticed that, I guess, and said, you know, <laughs> you. You're the guy. Store. Um, wow. I mean, not quite literally that. Young quickly, people, that is the story you need to hear. <laughs> Put your head down. Put your head down. Show up at work. work yeah. I don't know. I mean, you got to. Uh, who knows? It helps. Um, but it I. Uh, hurt. And then I, I went part time to University of San Francisco and got my master's there um, over a couple of years, and then started teaching there part time, thinking that that was what I would do next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did teach. Uh, I taught a couple classes early in the morning, and then would work at the bookstore back when. I had that work ethic, which I don't anymore. <laughs> Sounds um, like heaven a little bit. Right, sort of living the life, yeah. I, the, the, the hardest part, I loved being in the classroom. I loved the mm-hmm. students. I hated having to grade papers on my weekends. Same, you know? same, same. Yeah. 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 So um, so then, you know, a few years into it, the owner was trying to sort of semi-retire or retire. Um, he owned the building, which was really important to him that he had somebody, because that building oh, with right. Green Apple is charming. Right. Without Green Apple, it's a teardown. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So as a landlord, he knew yeah. that not only, you know, if he just sold his business to Joe Blow and Joe Blow messed it up, that as a landlord, he wouldn't yeah. be getting rent he yeah. yeah. So in some ways, he, he picked a team of us to because he thought he could monitor us, teach us. Um, because we had no money, um, it was you know sweat equity. But what an amazing opportunity! Of course, yeah. Oh my gosh! It was so fortunate. Wow! And just and dumb luck that I came along at the right time. At that point, had you emerged from your bookkeeping corner and were doing more for things? Sure, yeah, yeah. But the bookkeeping thing was probably two months. Okay. And then I moved to the receiving room uh, for a couple months, and it's a really interesting way to learn the business because you learn it from the from from the financial perspective instead of from the front. I love books. Sales. Well, and just you know, wow, they're charging us this much for shipping, and you know, just mm-hmm. kind of you have to mind the pennies because the margins are so. Right. So that was really a helpful introduction to the business. And did you have a sense of kind of the the status of the original and Richard Savoy in the local literary community? You know, not really. He seemed, I think maybe he was burned out. It had been 25 years mm-hmm. and I felt like he was kind of disengaged. Mm-hmm. He, he loved the store and it was his livelihood and he cared about it and he, you know, tried to run it well. But he also had other interests. He was mm-hmm. he was sailing on the bay a lot and racing. Um, he had bought a, a vineyard up in uh, Mendocino. So it's a very profitable bookstore. Richard yeah. Savoy is yeah. a very good name. Isn't that a good name? Yeah. Um, so I actually feel like that's one of the things that me and my partners did was um, that he hadn't been doing was engage in the community. Um, I I kind of remember that when Green Apple seemed to reach out 
I, yeah. I remember that moment. I mean, you guys have the greatest Twitter feed. Do you do it? I, I do most of it. It's yeah. so good. Everyone Thank should you. follow them. Although they have a giant following. <laughs> Tell us right now, if it, is it just at Green Apple Books? It is at Green Apple Books, yeah. Okay. It is my favorite. Thank you. Although, I, you know, no pressure, but you don't follow me back. Oh, okay. it will be done. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need to dump a lot of things that I have been scanning by and find a lot of new people to follow. So I'll take, great. you can give me you know your top ten. And I'll okay. What's your What's your criteria? Mine is can't make me mad. Um, oh my god, that must be hard. It's really you have hard. a tiny follow. I, I have follow. to lop off stuff. All the super seventy sports. I don't know. I, I guess I follow one. too many publish publishing marketing arms oh, and so yeah. they're pitching books and uh, you know I swim in that stuff every day. So I speaking of swimming, one of the things I find charming about your Twitter feed are the shots from the bay. Uh, yeah. I like that very much. I can't help that. It has nothing to do with the store. I like but, that. But it's so beautiful down there and the yep. days are so different. I mean, today I, I got in and um, there was a rainbow outside uh, outside, yeah. of, outside of the, the cove where we swim and the Golden Gate Bridge. Everything else was dark, but the Golden Gate Bridge was lit from the east. And then I got in and I had my sauna and warmed up. And then as I was leaving, it was just pouring rain. <laughs> everything was slate gray. The That's when I started the walking. Water matched. It was, so I know it's it's completely unbookish, and sometimes I feel like I shouldn't be doing that. Maybe I, you should I, have gone for the, the vitamin opposite. store yeah, right. option. Uh, okay, <laughs> we need to swimmer. just stay on the swimming thing just very briefly. Okay. First of all, you swim in Aquatic Park, obviously, because yes. you're talking about the sauna. Have you been bit by the sea lion? No, but a mulvihill has. Okay. Yeah, so I feel like I'm immune. You're not going to have two molehills bit by sea lions, right? It does seem a little unusual. I don't think it works like that. There were a couple people, though, and some of them were severe. I've seen... I know. I've seen the bite marks. Oh my God, I'm so I used to swim there quite yeah. a bit, but I haven't in a while. Now I swim on the other side of the bridge because I'm scared of the sea. Where do you swim? On China um, Beach? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, not China Beach, um, right below the, right next to the um, Exploratorium or whatever that kid's oh, museum okay. is called. Is it safe to swim over there, boat, boat-wise? Yeah, completely. Oh, okay. um, you can't swim out as far. Right. But I like it, and there's no, well, sometimes there's sea lions, but they're not scary. You don't get cold. I know it's inside baseball, but I'd like to thank you guys for giving me a chance to look at my notes. I don't get cold because I wear a wetsuit, like all uh, sane people. That's crazy. I don't know why you bother? Because uh, I don't want to freeze. Um, that is why. But anyway, I actually think that the um, pictures of other parts of San Francisco are part of the charm of your sure. Twitter feed. So Good keep it up. Thank you. Well, and it and, and it's fortuitous because if you're going to be running a landmark business in a city. It helps if you remain in love with that city enough to post pictures right. of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. You see how I pulled that all together? I yes. know. <laughs> so <clears throat> when you were approached, did it seem like a slam dunk to you or did it require a lot of drinking to make the decision? <laughs> the second bout. Uh, we were definitely wooed with some nice wine. And um, it was the three of you. It was two you of us two at first. Th- and oh. then we had a we had a hole in our bookstore knowledge, which was used books, which was also the most profitable part of the business. Mm-hmm. So we um, quickly asked a third partner. Two Kevins and you. Two Kevins and a Pete, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Hard to find anymore. Right. Yeah, really. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty easy. I mean, in, in some ways I felt like I, even when I signed the documents and committed, I felt like I could leave after three years or five years or seven years or something. Mm, okay. It would be like buying an apartment instead of renting one. Yeah. Um, that I'd have some equity, that I'd have something to show for it. So yeah. um, I always kind of thought, well, this isn't my, this isn't going to be my life, but um, it's a good, are. it's a good thing for now. You thought um, you were going to go the teaching and writing route. Maybe. And then I just couldn't figure anything else out. <laughs> and then you had kids. <laughs> but I had kids. and Yeah. What was your family situation when you were first approached? Um, I was 25 and single. Okay. Yeah. And, and to me, if someone had approached me at 25, I would have gone, no, 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 I don't want that kind of responsibility. Yeah, I know, me too. That's a lot of. Stupid, though. Uh, but yeah, I guess you had 10 years to. 
And I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a stability kind of person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Although it doesn't really seem like it from what you described previous to coming to San Francisco. That's a lot of moving and willingness yeah. to go to the different coast. Yeah. And, I think I got here and I found my place. Right, and, you knew it was you know, it. That's why, you know, the, the only reason I still live here is that we did buy a house in 1999. Mm. Otherwise, if I had ever, yeah. you know, my rent went up twice to what it is in my mortgages, I would I know. be somewhere else. So right. once, once that was locked in, I thought, you know, I'm, I, can, I can never, well, right. and eventually, never leave. Right. Your children will face a stark reality that once they leave... Unless they come back as software engineers, they're not coming back. Right? They already they already think that they're going to like inherit our house. Like we're going to die the day they get out <laughs> yeah. of college. Like, I've had a very <laughs> similar conversation, and I point out, well, your children are twins. Right. That might be different, but I point out to my children that there are two of them, uh-huh. and so uh, they right. probably can't you're, both. You're not going to want to live together yeah. either. Yeah. Correct. How old are they? Nineteen and sixteen. Okay. Yeah, well, we're going to have to arm wrestle for that one. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Not getting the house. No, I don't think so either. No. Plus, I'm living forever. There's that. <laughs> right. There is that. I could go off on a tangent about yeah. the, the, the chances of being able to grow old in San Francisco oh, versus the realities. Although, I think growing old in a city is actually a great way to go. Oh, no, I meant financially. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Right. If you ever moved anyway. Yeah. If you stay, if you stay put, maybe you could. Right. right. Yeah. If you own your house. Yeah. Yes. You don't have a lot of stairs. We it do. didn't need a lot of money for retirement. <laughs> All right, that too. All right. All right, now I'm getting depressed. Let's move yeah, I couldn't back even afford to, to. I would have to install one of those things that takes you up the stairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just sit there and That'd go up fun. the stairs. I would like that. Back Maybe. to Pete, though. Yeah, why not? Um, we're easing up to the present. So everything goes swimmingly for 10 years. Nice one. I know. Were there, like were there any points where you wanted out or you guys thought it wasn't going to work? Well, um, I mean, the, the very end, we, we bought this guy out over 10 years. And at the very end, and it was basically out of the store's profits, mm-hmm. um, we paid him handsomely. He probably got twice as much money as he would have if he just sold the store on the open market. Um, conversely, we had zero. So uh, mm. it felt to me like the store was being given to me mm-hmm. um, in some ways. But um, as the, the profit got sort of less and less until the last year where I thought, like, wow, I might have to borrow money to make this last payment or something. Um, And then once we got to stop paying him, there was money again because all that money that had been going to him could go to us again. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's been been challenging. Um, That was 2008, 2009, so the economy was crap. We did get a good lease out of that, um, which has helped a lot for the last 10 years. So if we hadn't been negotiating a lease in 2008 or 2009... You mean the lease Green Apple on the Park or...? uh, No, the original store um, because the market was pretty bad at that moment. Um, we got a good. Do oh, you still have to like negotiate with your landlord, even though he's him? He, it was him, and he oh. sold the building. Got it. Mm. Got recently. it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And 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 you might end up breaking my heart here, but was there any sense when this transition was happening of what you were taking over, or was it just a, a business to him? Um, you know, I've never, I've, I've never quite gotten a great sense of how significant it was to his life. If it, I mean, I know, I know he cared, he loved it, he put a lot of effort and energy into it, um, and he loved books. I mean, which is why he did it. He didn't think like, how am I going to make a lot of money? Mm-hmm. I know I'll open a bookstore. Right. Um, he actually opened it. He, it was part time. He only did it on the weekends when he first opened it. It was seven hundred fifty square feet. Mm-hmm. So it really did start as a labor of love. And then I think it got bigger and more complicated than the union. And I think he just kind of got over it and had, burned out. had other had other ways to make money and um so uh yeah so, so there, i mean to me i've been telling my wife for 20 years like we got to have a backup plan we got to you know yeah. pretty soon it's going to be you know we're going to have to do this although didn't i just read that there are now more bookstores than fewer in it America? is ever since 2008 or 2009 right after that downturn turn there have been more and more opening a lot of them are second third locations um, why do you think that is 
I think part of it is that when borders went away, um, mm. there were hundreds of communities that didn't have a bookstore anymore, and they didn't need a 40,000-square-foot bookstore. Mm. They needed a 2,500-square-foot bookstore. Also, those stores sucked. Well, that too. Mm. That's what – uh, it's just depressing. But I think, but I think there is the, – the, there were holes in the market, and I think there still are. I mean, that's the reason we opened Books in the Park four years ago is we right. saw this great neighborhood. Right, without a bookstore. Without a bookstore. But yeah. I, I think that's fantastic that, you know, you know as to quote you – Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you said the sky's been falling as long as I've been a bookseller, and I remember when Borders and yeah. Barnes and Noble were supposed to be the demise of the independent and bookstore. Before that, it was the you know Walden Books and Crown. Oh yeah, and those were discounting. even worse. Yeah. They were the worst bookstores um, in the world. And then it was <laughs> then it was the superstores because they had forty you know four thousand right. square feet. And then it was Amazon. And mm-hmm. then it was. Uh, and then it was Amazon buying up the used book market, and then it was ebooks. And so it every kind of couple of years, it's, we think it's over. It's going to be over soon, and somehow we're it's, still here. It's not, I mean, it kind, of, it kind of reminds me of when Starbucks started really uh, expanding, and everyone was so angry that they were putting out of business all these mom and pop cafes. And I kept saying to people at the time, but where were these mom and pop cafes? Because mm. I wasn't experiencing them. Mm. And now okay. look at the boom in, at least in San Francisco, there maybe not everywhere. Yeah. So many great cafes and coffee culture. Maybe that's happening for books too. And maybe. they're often right next to or across the street from a Starbucks. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think they benefit with something you might benefit from, that there's a certain part of the population that wouldn't be caught dead going into a Starbucks. And then we'll go into whatever mom and pop um, coffee shop is next to the Starbucks. Yeah. I don't know. Friends don't let friends do Starbucks. Right. And the same is true. Yeah, the local first, you know, the knowledge mm-hmm. and, and passion for, mm-hmm. for supporting your community economic economically has been important. And just um, the scale, people, too. Like people, people need a, a third place. You know, there's just that that concept of there's home, there's work, and there has to be a third mm-hmm. place. For some people, it's swimming in the bay. For some mm-hmm. people, it's the bar. For some people, it's the gym. For a lot of people, it's the bookstore or the cafe. So I did people do to, need to get offline and get out of their house. And I did want to get really to that because how do you balance the fact that I, I would guess that your traffic in the store sometimes doesn't translate to sales. Of course. That people come to hang out sure. and look at books. Read. And, <laughs> and it seems like it would be a, a little bit delicate because – it's like if you own a bar with your regulars, they hang out all day and they don't buy anything. Right. You don't want to discourage them, but you also want to sell books. Right. The store is big enough, I think, that you know it's never like so crowded that you have to kick out some people who aren't buying something to let in some people. <laughs> you know, a cafe has ten tables. Mm-hmm. If, right. if somebody's working on their laptop for eight hours there, they're you know they're taking up the tables that somebody else might spend some money on. So for us, it's that's that's the store is never so crowded that you know people who aren't buying anything or taking up space that other people would be. So that's never really been an issue. I always feel like if people come in, whether they buy something or not, they, they have a nice association with the store and it's in their mind is their store or they found something or saw something neat. They couldn't afford it. They didn't buy it. They often come back the next week and go, oh, I should have bought that. It's gone. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we just, and, and we do see ourselves as sort of a community center and a place for people to go. And so, and, you know, San Francisco is an expensive city, so we don't expect everybody to drop on. Do you have regulars who expensive. seldom buy things? Um, yeah, or people who only shop the bargain bins, um, or people who only buy from the remainder tables. I mean, I think you could li- you could read forever off the Green Apple remainder tables and never pay more than five or six bucks for a book. I, I, think I agree with you. They're great. Yeah, um, unless you're an author. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. Forget my audience here. <laughs> That's okay. No, no, no. I mean, oh, I so bought. Sad. Believe me, I bought my share of remainder. No, it's readers <laughs> as well as writers. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, all right, we're about halfway through now. Yeah. We can talk a little bit about some of the challenges that face you guys now and how you've managed. I mean, you've expanded since you bought. Yeah. 
the bookstore. You opened the new location. Was it 2014? I yep. love the new location. Yeah. Same year that you were named Publishers Weekly Bookstore of the Year. Nice timing, huh? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah good thinking. <laughs> did, that, did it translate to something? Does Publishers Weekly translate to... Mm-hmm. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but it was our best year That's in incredible. a long time, and it hasn't been as good as 2014 huh. since. So mm-hmm. I, I, I can't imagine that was it. We also had a few unusual things, like Neil Gaiman. We didn't know That's pretty him, and that, you know, when you sell a thousand books or something. Right. Okay, that, so right, that, 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 that I want to talk about. Year. I want to know, um, so not to, not to talk out of school, but I have heard publicists say that <laughs> bookstores, bookstore events do not sell books. My experience has been that I've sold 40, 50 books at a bookstore yeah. event. So it, it varies, but I feel like even if you only sell 10 books or something like that, the, the, the right. publicity that you're getting for the book. And the word of mouth from those people. And also, and if you watch your Amazon sales rankings the week leading up to your event and the week after, you're going to see your Amazon sales oh, rankings. But that depresses me. Why would that happen? Because people, you, your friends, they, they're not buying they, there. They buy the book because right. they can't make the event. They want to oh, support you. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Or your I cousin see. on the East Coast buys the book, and so they buy it on Amazon. They don't go to. So what? There was actually a study. There were about 20 stores that got together, and they decided to promote the same two books a kid's book and an adult book. Um, they said, let's just promote these and watch the sales ranking on Amazon and they tracked it and they all put it in their email newsletter posted a tweet or a Facebook post so it's not even that they had an event for this author oh wow um, these two books and, and the Amazon sales rank went way up I mean so it's it's um, we have more mind share than market share we like to say mm-hmm. so that people want to buy their next book at an indie but they actually buy it at Amazon um, and uh, so so the efforts of an event um ripple out beyond the actual book sales of the single night. And often the leftover books, you know, we get signed copies if we do an event um, with Dave Eggers or something. We have all these people around the country who say, oh, hey, they have signed copies, and I'm never going to see Dave Eggers in my little town in Kansas, so I'll buy the signed copy. So there okay, can so be they can, they can find you online to get the signed copy. Yes. We generally, will, if we have extra copies after an event, which is usually, we try to put them on our website in the signed books page. And we have a couple people, um, real regulars from other places that are collectors that check in on our signed page once a month or so. Things, That's so. a great idea. You want to say yeah. what your website? Greenapplebooks.com. Uh, there you go. It's going to say it at the end too. Oh, that's very smart. Yeah, that's but all the, you can say it more than once. Is you really can certainly idea. reinforce it. One of the things I want to say as an author is, um, you know, you're really kind of um, strongly suggested to ask people to pre-order on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, what would you What would you tell authors? What is a way that authors can support indie bookstores and still get that pre-sale number? Yeah, that's tough because um, indies aren't great at at selling something right. they don't have. Right. I mean, we have a functional e-commerce site. Um, it's decent. It has it has a few you know positive things like signed books that Amazon might not. Mm-hmm. But but our, our the architecture of our site, the ease of checkout, all that stuff right. is never going to be what as good is. as Amazon's. Yeah. Um, our database is never going to be 100 percent accurate. Um, but what but, about just going into your bookstore and saying, I know this book is coming out? If you can get to the right – I mean, I, there's 28 people who work at Green Apple. Mm-hmm. So if you just walked in, you might get somebody who's a student and works part-time. And then mm-hmm. the buyer or the person – the buyer might know your book is Got coming it. out and have ordered a stack of 10. But the person who does the website might not know. Got it. Um, or they're just so stressed for time and they're like, they have no idea if your book is – Important, is, is not important. Yeah. Awesome or terrible. Right. So um, they're just kind of like, oh, look, a author here bugging me. But, you know, no, but I mean, said, like, I mean as, a, as a reader, what if the reader – wants to pre-order. Yeah. Um, I mean, most most indie commerce or e, you know, e-commerce sites for indie bookstores have pre-order functions. Right. They're often 
unfortunately for the huge books, you know, when they announce a new J.K. Rowling book right. or a Harry Potter or something, we get the data like a week later. Right. So mm. Amazon's already – it's the Skip bestseller it on Amazon before it's even listed on our site and we're working on that. But um, we have had authors who specifically um, – Rachel mm-hmm. Levin here at the Grotto has a book coming out next month. and um, April 18th, I believe, the, is her – or maybe not. I want to say 10th. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, yes. Don't today. argue. Don't fight. No, April 10th. I think you're right. April 18th is Leslie Jameson. Yes. Uh, two so, fantastic authors. And we have, um, you know, one of Rachel's friends on the East Coast said, I'm buying 20 copies from my office. Mm. So she pre-ordered 20 copies that will Yay. be selling at the event. So, you know, that does happen. Um, it works better when you have one store promoting yes. it, um, which we did with uh, yes. Raina Telgemeier, who's a local um, graphic novel writer. Um, she's huge with the, like, 10 to 12-year-old set. Um, Big book buyers. Which happened to be my kids, so I happen to know about it. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't. But um, so we get we get tons of orders from her, and she just comes by every couple months and signs stock for us. Um, and we hmm. have this constant flow of random books. So I think to authors, I would say partner with one specific indie, mm-hmm. um, even though you might break the heart of three or ten others. others. Um, partner with one. Chuck Palahniuk does it with a store near him. Um, and that that's that's their business. Like, that's how they survive, is there are so many Chuck Palahniuk fans I know. That, that want signed copies that they kind of you know, they do that. So yeah. I'd say pick one store, um, especially maybe one that needs it worse than another store, <laughs> and uh, and partner with them and drive. You can drive your friends and um, relatives and the, the, to that. To that I store. love that idea. This all this all makes me wonder. Um, you know this this whole conversation you just said didn't exist in the nineties right. when you first approached this. And things have moved pretty fast, and the way people buy books has changed and all this stuff. So how do you guys go about keeping pace? Are you reactive or proactive? Um, maybe a little bit of both. Um, you know, we have tried to evolve. I feel like if you walked in the store today, it would look a lot like it did 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So in, in some ways, and, and that's, that's, that's nice. part of the appeal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all the books are different. Some of the people are different. Um, but the store itself physically looks the same. It still but, smells the but same. But on the back end, books. you know, we've, mm-hmm. we've tried okay. to do all kinds of things. Social media has been a boom. I mean, when I started, we used to spend $6,000 a month on our Yellow Pages ad. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. And it mattered. We, did, we needed to in order to get people to sell us used books because there were so many places where you could sell you used must books be reaching at least that many people on twitter so for you, free. you you assume yeah right. so i mean as we cut back on our on our paid advertising mm-hmm. um you know we've ramped up our email email newsletters when those started you know we still do it and it still works a bit um twitter and facebook and instagram so yeah we've we've tried to i wouldn't say that we are super proactive you know i'm not i don't know what the next right is mm-hmm. when ello was popular for a couple of weeks we got on ello and i haven't logged in there in a few years but so we do try to grab things we're, we're a trusted tester with google um so they if they have a new technologies or a new platform for you know their adwords or something they give us access first if if you, if you Google Green Apple Books, you'll see the map, some pictures, our hours, and all that. But you'll also see a post from us that's kind of like a social media post. And that's a new f- feature, and we got to test that um, before it was released. So we, Ooh, do, we, do, we do try technology. Some of them fail. We were going to get this espresso book machine that was you could just print a book in three minutes. Oh, oh. oh I thought it had um, coffee. Me too. Uh, it's, ter- it's a terrible name. <laughs> uh, and there are a couple stores that have done well with it. Um, Bookshop Santa Cruz, no, they don't have one. Um, McNally Jackson in New York has one and a few other stores. Wait, back up. Yeah, so sorry. Books on Demand. 
It's just books on demand. It's um, yeah. But it, what makes it different? Uh, well, they, it'll it's print, instant. It prints the book, and you just say, "I want this book," and, and you can print one, and it costs the same as if you print a hundred. So it's mm. it's a pretty fancy copier with a yes. book binder color or something. Thing. Yeah, um, and we thought that might be a way to um, if there's a book that only sells once every couple of years, let's just print it when somebody orders it. Right? Oh, so it's not for print-on-demand self-publishers. It turned out that most people That's what wanted I would think. to self-publish, mm-hmm. and, right. but they needed help with layout and design. And, oh. And, you know, so right. the stores that have done that, have done well with it, have basically become... Mini publishers. Yeah. yeah. They've had to create. And they'll sell you a package. You know, if you do this, we'll help you design your cover. If you pay There this, are we'll... so many. Oh, let's talk about that, because yeah. it's called indie publishing now. You speak oh, sorry. Indie publishing. Oh, yeah. Which is a little confusing. Guy Kawasaki and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first heard of indie publishing, I didn't understand. I thought it was like indie bands. I didn't know uh, it was self-publishing. Right. Um, do you have any feeling about the co-opting of that term? Oh, uh, no, I can't. I have too many things to be okay. about besides All right. One. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. And, but, um, yeah, so we, I mean, we try to, we try to take the technologies that might help us, um, the back end and the accounting and stuff like that has gotten more efficient over the years. So mm-hmm. there are sort of invisible improvements that have happened on the back end that have helped us. Um, but you know, we're not, we're not innovative. I wouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> and what about online sales? How much of a percentage of your overall sales is that, and has it been rising? It has been rising slowly um, in two ways. One, we sell uh, uh, unusual used books. Mm. We sell on some of the online used book platforms for collectors and you know, just that quirky book that you're not going to find in a bookstore. Um, so we do sell that those online. That's probably 1% of each month's sales. Mm. Um, new books that we sell on our website are probably 2% of monthly sales. Um, and often that is a, a 20 book order from a pal or mm-hmm. Raina Telgemeier's signed copies. Um, and then at Christmas, it's a ton of gift cards and mm. t-shirts and tote bags, <laughs> which, uh, are popular. Yeah. yeah I mean, the I green apple name carries that sort of cachet. And, and, and we try, you know, with the t-shirts and totes, we try to make them pretty reasonable. We, they're always made in San Francisco. Um, we try to so cool. say what like we, you keep know, the, keep, keep the, the, local, the local economy yeah. just as we ask people to do. We, um, we use local printers and all that kind of stuff. Um, local seamstress to make our canvas bags. Um, and we always try to price them low because we feel like there's marketing value beyond that. And oh, right. we want people to be able to say, you know, yay, green apple. But you see green apple book bags. Or what are they called? Yeah, tough bags. to get that yeah. out, didn't you? All the way. It was hard to say yeah. for some reason. <laughs> it that. was book bag. Green apple book bag. Right. It was like four words, but not. Rapid fire. Yeah. Uh, it was confusing. <laughs> I'm fine now, though. I have a question. So uh, I'm not surprised to hear a very consistent buy local, buy local, buy indie, buy indie from you. Was that always your worldview, or is it a chicken and egg thing? Which came first? Um, no, I don't think I knew anything about that until um, I feel like there was a study done about 15 years ago outside of Chicago, Andersonville, um, and it tri- it quantified, you know, this is how much money circulates in the local economy if you buy at a local store and this is at a chain store. And at the time, there was the Amazon wasn't on the radar, so it was really shop local, not at chains. Right, and, don't and shop at Barnes try to keep that message positive. Um, instead of saying don't shop at chains, it's here's what happens when you shop at an indie. Mm-hmm. So no, to me, that was, like that. That, that was an education 
and, and really learned. And then they, they replicated the study in a lot of places. Um, I'm part of the local first group here, and we commissioned a study that looked what, at what would happen if people shifted 10% of their spending from chains to indies. So the idea was if you go buy Starbucks every day and you get a, a cup of coffee at Starbucks every day, what if every two weeks you took a detour and bought something at an indie coffee shop? Mm-hmm. And, and it was it would create 2,000 jobs. There was $200 million in increased oh, economic oh, activity oh, in the city. Um, it was pretty pretty powerful. So we brought that to City Hall. Um, the Chronicle wrote up an editorial on, on the strength of Shop Local. So And that's, that kind of stuff has been replicated over and over. Now it's, it's Amazon. Mm-hmm. And to think of how much money recirculates in the local economy when you spend on Amazon. The only person that gets paid is that driver. Um, and they are on-demand scheduling, low wages, mm-hmm. no you don't, insurance. I mean, they're they not. You don't even get sales jobs. tax, right? Uh, they do now. They do now. They do now. It took a while. That, that was another one that was just <coughs> brutal. So unfair. And, and to me, the hardest part of the whole. This is the. We can move on from Amazon after this if you want. But to me, the the, the San Franciscans voted to have a fifteen dollars minimum wage, mandatory. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we have to have a lactation space in the workplace. Right. We have to um, pay for health insurance, all of which we're good with. But then people vote with their wallets right. for this warehouse job in Tracy. You know, they don't think what are the jobs that are associated with that. But the, the right. jobs that you hear about, you know, are at Amazon headquarters and they pay $100,000 and that's what these people are competing for for the second headquarters. But when you actually buy something on Amazon, the money, you know, the person who gets paid to bring you that package is is not a well-compensated or well-treated worker. Um, so to me, there's this disconnect between voting with your ballot where you say these are my values and this is what I care about and then voting with your wallet and supporting, you know, a different mm-hmm. kind of uh, a different kind of company. But, you know, I guess I also was interested in beyond any economic concerns because mm-hmm. I've always felt like the idea of, of shopping local and just local interests isn't just economic. It's also, I don't want to say spiritual, but... Why not? I mean, that's what community is, right? It's yeah, what right. makes your life worth living. It's why you live in a city. I mean, not for everyone, wherever your local bookstore is. Or a small is, town. Or a small town, right. Like this morning when I went to my little grocery store on the corner, uh, you know, like they, know, they opened yeah. up five minutes early so that I could run in uh-huh. and get some stuff because yeah. I've been shopping there for 15 years. And So that was my question. Yet. Was that something that you were aligned with early or is it something that's sort of come to light to you? Uh, again, I think I learned that on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that value be created over the years. Um, and as you grow up and as you have kids and as you go to a, you know, we went to a co-op preschool, so we had to do work days there. And, and you just kind of build community and connections that way. And then, you know, they ask us for a gift card for their auction. And, of course, we give one. And I have this pot donations folder <laughs> that's insane. And, yeah. you know, we, I'd love to be able to give twice as much or twice as broadly. But, you know, if you ever see something at a, at a kid's auction from Amazon, you know, it's, it's – it's not because they donated it. <laughs> right. um, no, someone so, bought so, it. And, I mean, I'm going right. back to Amazon and economics again, but but it really is um, it's community and it's you know where you go to spend your time and it's how you meet people and it's right. how I've met authors over the years and you know readings even if they don't make anybody any money they're it's a lovely way to spend your time. Completely agree. Um, you get and exposed to new ideas and I want to go. I want to go to this next. Okay. Do you have someplace you want to go? I, I just wanted to you. ask if you live yeah. within walking distance of Clement Street. No, I live in the Outer Sunset. Okay, um, I, I can bike to either store pretty okay. quickly. When I try Flat to bike. part of town. Yep, and, and I ride through Golden Gate Park most of the way. You yeah. know, I see Buffalo on my way to work. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. I, we do have a grocery store though in the Outer Sunset, and, and when we moved to the Outer Sunset twenty years ago, it was pretty desolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's Noriega Produce, this great little produce mm-hmm. market, and that is the neighborhood center of, mm. of the Outer Sunset. And I th- feel right. like every neighborhood has one, whether it's a grocery store or the bookstore. And and 
the neighborhood has developed, but the heart and soul of the place is still that grocery store. I need to say my grocery store now yeah. because I want to shout out to them. Arguello Market. Oh, yeah. Those guys are awesome. Yep. Love Great it turkey sandwiches. Canyon. They do. The best yeah. turkey sandwiches in the world, I believe. Ours is Canyon Market. Yep. I use Glen it as my, as my pantry. Yeah. The thing about um, readings, I've and Larry and I have talked about this a little bit on the show, but I often have young writers ask me for advice. Can I? Can we meet and have coffee? Right. Um, and I try to say yes as much as I can. But the thing that's starting to like blow my mind is the one piece of advice I get that I always get pushback on is be involved in the local community, right. go to readings, go do things, and. I'm stunned at how they don't want to. <laughs> I don't understand. Why are they writing books? <laughs> it's just if you don't want amazing. To be part of I mean, I don't know what it means. And so I, I, I just put that out there as it's fun. It's not eating your spinach. Right, Going exactly. to the reading is fun. It's a fun thing to do. You meet other writers. You meet the author. You get to know the your readers. bookstore people. Yeah. yeah, it's a great place to well, meet people. Pete, do you think you'd be able to do your job if you weren't amenable to being visible and being part of the community? Could you sit in that back room and just sign checks and probably, but don't tell anyone. Yeah, I just did. (laughs) Oh shoot! Um, No, I mean, and in fact, I feel like that's part of why I got involved in the shop local. Why I got involved in the Northern California Independent Booksellers Association. Now the American Booksellers Association. Which you are. I wanted to get to that. Yeah, I mean, all of that is because. No, you get bored, frankly, mm-hmm. and you know I need some human interaction. I need to get away from my desk. Yeah, for uh, sure. After p- doing payroll and accounting and whatever and all that kind of stuff, and I get to get out in the community and, and talk to people. I don't want to sit at a desk all day. Um, I mean, I mostly do, but the fun part of my day is, is interacting with customers or um, other people in the literary community or, the, or just the small business community. When do you read? At night. Um, yeah. Yeah. Once the kids go to bed. Do you read ebooks? I don't. I tried. We we sold. We tried this partnership with Kobo, and um, I tried. I just don't like it. When and I, I get, first I get got these Kindle, great advanced reading copies all the time. There's yeah. just piles of new stuff coming yeah. out, and it's mm-hmm. free. And I just I don't know. My the eyes. I just, it, the same. When I first got a Kindle, I just, loved the idea. But I had never use it. No, I, and I know I, people. It's hard to read. I know people that, that swear by them because they travel a lot. I know that's what great I for travel. That's yeah. what I bring I, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, I, and now that it's no longer an existential threat to my business, right? How about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm as nice you know, for traveling. as nice. you know, my line of demarcation is crappy book, Kindle. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. sure. Good yeah. book, needed in my hands. Yeah. Uh, same. Plus, I. I'm not a library person. I have always liked, I have always uh, had a, a fetishistic relationship with books where I want right. to. In fact, it's been a big problem in my marriage. Yeah. Um, because. Uh, That's a different podcast. Uh, it is for sure. But, but one, the hoarding yeah, of maybe. books, yeah. like. I don't think he listens, so that's fine. Um, but he, what he doesn't know. Maybe the podcast yeah. to you. Yeah, well, both okay. completely. Um, nice. Actually, yeah, deaf in his driver's side ear is actually very helpful uh, to our relationship. But what he doesn't know is that my office in the grotto is just filled with, right. all, like, some women. I don't know. You hear about people, like, buying shoes and keeping them in their car so that right. or whoever their partner safe. doesn't see, whatever. But um, I keep all the books you here. You buy books. The new books. I think because okay. because I have Green Apple, I feel like I have. You, have the you don't need to own yeah, yeah. Right. You don't need to so, own them. So I'm, I'm okay with them coming and going from home. But my exception yeah. is cookbooks, and that's my weakness, and that's what oh. I love. Have you been to that cookbook store on Omnivore. Church? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Omnivore. Oh, yeah, the place is good. They yeah, also have great. amazing uh, old books. Yeah, and they do a lot of great events. And yep. um, she comes in and, and shops our used book section to oh. snatch up I things. I love that. that we, yeah. And then does she resell them at Omnivore? Of course. I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, can we talk about your events coming up, though? Rachel, we're going to have Rachel on pretty soon. Rachel Levin. Rachel Rachel Levin. Yeah. Her book, Look Big, is coming out sometime in April, and yeah. she's going to be here yep. with you guys. Green Apple Books in the Park. She um, April tenth. Sent me the lineup. There's four or five other writers. That are telling sort of wildlife encounter stories. So uh, fun. fun. So that's a good segue because through owning Green Apple Books, you've probably gotten to meet every notable writer in the last 20 years. A lot of them, for sure, yeah, and a lot through the grotto. When I first moved here, actually, we, didn't, we skipped over this, but I, um, my first introduction to the broader literary community was playing softball with Poe and Ethan. And Ethan. <laughs> the, oh, really? the original yeah. founding of the grotto. Yeah, so, uh, and I remember the their, their, their first party or something like that 20 <laughs> years ago and some other... Place. So, so, Zuni, maybe? so the idea um, of the the literary star was demystified for you early, right? They yeah. were just fair to midland once you softball once you players. Ethan Waters and you see his swing, you think, like, oh really? That guy I was going to ask. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dave Eggers, though, he's he's pretty good. Really? That guy, what is he not good at? I'm annoyed oh, I now. I know. I didn't even need to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of didn't. Either. <laughs> it's I, I okay. Think I think he's great. I think he writes such a wide variety of stuff. You know, I don't love every book that he's written, but um, and and he's talk about you know taking your fame and success and trying to be good. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Doing so, do good as well as doing But you're well. right. It's it can be annoying how wonderful he is. Uh, <laughs> can we talk about Leslie Jameson? Because she just had that piece in the New York Times that completely blew my mind. I don't know if you read it. No, uh, her it new book is called The Recovering. Yeah. Uh, and it was in the opinion section sometime in March, whatever today is. At any rate, like immediately I was – it makes you realize how one thing leads to sales. I'm like, I'm getting that book uh, right yeah. away. Saw she was coming to Green uh-huh. Apple. I'm going to that. Like, Good. I – think it's really exciting who comes through San Francisco. And the, the, that new store, I mean, that, the, part of the reason we did it was because we can't do events on Clement Street. Right. The space is so... so I've been doing an event yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, so this new store we built with events in mind, um, the children's section is actually, like, tiered. Like, so uh, they can sit. So people can sit, yeah. yeah. Um, and kids, I have a son who's a climber, so I want, you know, the kids are like, can I climb on this? I'm like, yes, go for it. <laughs> so nice. we like to add a little danger to the bookstore. Yeah. Oh, but, um, we did it with events in mind, and that, that's been wonderful because we get to meet yet more writers that we really love. Um, do you guys know Willie Vlotten? Mm. I was just going to bring that yeah, up. Really like but Willie, we have yeah. we have different dreams of hanging out with, with Willie Vlotten because okay. I want to be driving around in an old car wearing a plaid shirt. Right. Just lamenting something with Willie Vlotten. Yeah. Maybe drinking out of a paper bag. That sounds perfect. And what yeah. do you want? He'd be up for it. Um, well, I, I had it. He was in town a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, done. And we went out for a couple pints of Guinness after the event. Oh. That's what this, I'm hoping. He had this old buddy from college who was with him who was just the most the sweetest, most aw shucks guy you've ever known in your life. He sent us a thank you note. Like the, Willie Vlotten's road trip partner sent us a thank you note That's a couple weeks awesome. later. Thank you for supporting Willie's career. You guys are the most earnest, wonderful. Like, you uh, very just hopeful. just had a couple beers together. He's so sweet. I'm very hopeful we can get him on. We're going to Idaho okay. for Story Fort. Uh. And we're we, going on the road ourselves. We're going on the road. Right. Yeah. And we're hoping to trip. do we're hoping to do an episode with him, which I'm hoping leads to driving around in a car. Yeah. Plant, sure. I think he'd probably drinking. be up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, note to writers, a thank you note is a really good idea. Oh, my God. When my really wife, when we met, she was working at a Clean Well Lady Place for Books at the mm-hmm. Opera Plaza location. Mm-hmm. And she had David Sedaris pretty early in his career. And the guy sent, you know, he sent, like, flowers and chocolates and a thank you note afterwards. And he didn't have to do that. Like, he had it made. Yeah. Um, but that makes an impression on the, on the booksellers. You're right. I mean, it doesn't have to be... 
It doesn't have to be flowers, well, but just a thank you note a week or two later. Uh, that brings up deal. an interesting point That's that great. has been running around in my head for a while. A two-parter. A, how much control do you guys have over how many books sell? And B, are bestsellers predestined? Some bestsellers are predestined. They come that way. I mean, it's going to be. It's like in music, like the, yeah, all the I mean, label. For us, if, if, yeah, if Haruki Murakami has a new book out, <clears throat> right. we're going to sell a lot of it. If Rick Rudin has a new book out, maybe they're polar opposites there. But <laughs> there, yeah, there are preordained bestsellers. Still, but then there's, there's writers that you've never heard of. Um, you know, last year, uh, Homegoing by Yaa Jassy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, huge. There's a book coming out um, called There There by a Native American Oakland. Um, oh, I've heard about Tom, this. Tommy Orange. Tommy Orange, I've that, heard about this. If that's not a gigantic nationwide bestseller and changes the conversation, and, um, you know, and is talked about in every book club, like you know, you guys can delete this episode. <laughs> but uh, how much how much control can you guys have? Can you? I mean, it can, must. We can help a book. I mean, it we must feel get it great. On the national bestseller list. It's it's the funnest part of the job. Yeah. Is to take a book you love that nobody's heard of. Right. Um, our staff favorites case actually is always older books. Um, we do promote and sell newer books. That's our you know that's a huge part of our business. But we also take sort of lost classics or things that people were supposed to read in college but never got to or, um, you know, just books we think more people should read. And that's what we put on our staff favorites. It is the most fun part. Um, and we can, you know, we can make a book sell well in our store, mm-hmm. um, usually, not always. Um, mm-hmm. And then sometimes, you know, other stores like the Indies get together. They have an, the Indies Next List. So right. if enough people send in an email to the, the ABA saying this is a great book, then it gets promoted on this list and it gets on websites. And So there are a lot of stores with smaller staffs or outside of urban areas that, that don't have the bandwidth to read as many books or vet books like we do. So they use sort of sometimes our recommendations or the broader community's recommendations. And that really moves, moves sales for an author. Um, so encouraging your booksellers to nominate you for the Indie Next list if you're a forthcoming offer How about author, that? can be a Good powerful to tool. And most publicists know that, um, yeah. but you might want to remind them. Yeah. <laughs> I love that advice. Now, you're just finishing up a term uh, on the board of directors for the ABA. I'm up for re-election. Oh, you are? Yeah, I'm here to... Would you like to make a campaign statement? Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't screwed it up yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been on there for three years, um, and it's been great. And, and what sort of duties does that entail, and why do you want to redo it? Well, we meet four times a year um, for two or three days. Uh, start at 8 a.m. with breakfast in the room, have lunch in the room, have dinner in the room, and then break at 8 or 9 at night. So it's, it's, that sounds in, fun. It's intense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> luckily, here with good people who yeah. you know, also love books. Um, I just feel like there's, there's collectively, you know, the ch- chains have power because they, you know, they have... The, 400 of them or 500 of them. So, you know, indies banding together makes sense for a lot of things. It doesn't make sense for everything. It's really hard to brand that collective Mm. voice because Mm -hmm. stores are so different from each other. You know, Bird and Beckett is a totally different store than uh, Booksmith on Haight Street. Um, So there are, there are such a wide variety of stores. Um, On the other hand, we can, we can do things better together. Um, And the book industry sharing best practices and tips and that kind of thing is is amazing. Like uh, there's no other industry that I know of. Maybe some hardware stores, bike shops a little bit, um, who sort of are going to go into a room of competitors to some extent or other indies and say, this is how you do Twitter. Um, And, and, you know, booksellers like, I don't know how to do Twitter. What am I supposed to do here? Um, And so we share tips and trips tips and best practices and um, ways to cut your credit card processing costs and, you know, the really boring back-end that's stuff. Part, yeah. But like you said, it's a thin margin, so that'll... Yeah, and that's, you know, that's another thing that we've done that I think has helped the store a lot. Ultimately, ultimately, it's up to the consumers. You know, we're only there. We're not there because that's... anything that I've done or anything that my yeah. partners have done right... Um, 
obviously what, whatever we can do to help is important, but it's really we have to have a certain number of people to walk in and buy something every day, and that's why we're still there 50 years later is because enough people And i got to say that. there's a lot to – I mean when I look at my book, which is $30, uh, it's – 19 on Amazon. Yeah. Like mm. that sometimes, is... Sometimes we could get the book cheaper on Amazon than we could get it from our publisher. Right. I mean, I just think like it would... It, it, I am eternally grateful to the people who are buying it in stores. Yeah. You know? But I don't I know, know how anyone can compete with that. Every, everything we have in our store is cheaper somewhere else. <sighs> generally on Amazon. And so, yet people... You know, it makes no economic sense. There's a there's a Harvard professor that's been studying the industry for four or five years because he looked at sort of how industries almost collapse, pivot, and and mm-hmm. reemerge. His, he had studied watches, Swiss watches first or something, and he's got a, a long paper coming out, 60, 70 page paper coming out pretty soon about the indie resurgence because he's trying to scratch in his head as an econ- economist, like why would somebody pay thirty dollars for a book that they can get? It from has 19? to be the experience and the immediacy. Yeah, I think in, in economics, it's animal spirits. You, you don't always act in your own economic self-interest. Well, given all of that and given that we're almost out of time here, yeah. <clears throat> next steps, what do you guys see moving forward then? Uh, well, right now, my, my what keeps me up at night is our lease. Our lease is up in a year, so we're working on that. Um, that's for Clement Street? Clement Street, yeah. Um, so that's that's next. Um, there is some city, city support from the Legacy Business Program that hopefully will help us. Um, I think our new landlord knows that retail is challenged and isn't going to... I was going to say, I feel like that there's a lot of hope there because so. Green Apple's a little bit of the anchor of that block. It, and there are a lot of... Well, they don't care about the block necessarily. They care about their space. But the city space. will. The city will, yeah. Um, and, um, and and there are a lot of empty storefronts. I mean, mm-hmm. retail is challenged, and so mm-hmm. maybe we have a little more leverage than we might have five years ago. And that building specifically, if you know, who's going to rent? Like it? the gap isn't coming yeah. in the next day. Like, <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I'm, I'm hopeful um, for that. Other than that, you know, we just keep keep on keeping on. You know, we try to. Um, find and sell great books and um, try to adapt, you know, what's not selling, shrink what's not selling. Magazines have slowed down a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, but our LPs have been doing well. So we're constantly looking at how we allocate space in the store and shrinking certain things and Mm -hmm. expanding others. We had a partnership with Three Fish Studios last summer. I remember. Or maybe it was the summer before. We basically gave them a room Mm -hmm. to um, sell their artwork, and we uh, did it on a consignment basis with them, so there was no risk to us. And it worked great for us. We sold a ton of their stuff with beautiful local so Art, cool. And, and yeah. for them, they, they said they still get people coming in the studio, you know, several times a week who said, oh, I saw your stuff at Green Apple. I didn't know you existed. So we're, we're really – and that's another sort of localism thing. I only knew about them because they're in my neighborhood and I like their stuff. So we do try to find other and different things to sell besides books, um, even though our sales are 85 percent books. And Just the fact that you said that the LPs do well tells me a lot. <laughs> Hipsters, yeah. yeah. So, so we, try to, we just try to adapt and, and sell more of what's selling and shrink what's not. Is there ever a time when you get to rest on your laurels? Um, you know, to be honest, my partners and I take a fair amount of paid time off. <laughs> oh, that's great. Do, I think that's we, so great. We just hire a little more than we would otherwise and um, try to try to um, take time off and get away. Oh, I love hearing possible. that. That is good to know because I imagine so I can't you complain about my workload. working seven days a week. No. Good. I'm I mean, glad. every once in a while things happen. but And yeah. sometimes they're fun. Um, Bookstore Day or the Bay Area Book Festival or something mm-hmm. like that. So there are times where we work more. But no, we have a pretty good work-life balance and we pay for it. I mean, literally, we just hire yeah. more people right, to do the right. job. And luckily, what's luckily that for? we can. That's, yeah, that's a decision you, know. you have to you can make. Yeah, that's fantastic. Lucky, lucky to have that decision. 
Well, this is the part of the show where you promote stuff for yourself. Uh, we already said the, the website. Isn't that the first hour? Well, it's also <laughs> no, all about now it's like specific. Right. Everyone, take out whatever device out you have and write this down. And write down greenapplebooks.com. Go to greenapplebooks.com. Oh, oh, that works. I don't know. I was just thinking today. I'm never work? getting that thing. No, it's creepy. It, I don't like that it's at all. When I had to go cancel my dad's cable, the woman's name was Alexa. We were like, sorry. I did it. I no, know, I did it. Poor. I said, Alexa, cancel my father's cable. Probably <laughs> the first time she served that one. Yeah, she, she enjoyed that. Uh, my sisters laughed. Anyways, greenapplebooks.com, at greenapplebooks. Yeah, Facebook, Green Apple Books and Music. Uh, our other store is, is at GAB Sunset. Oh. Green Apple Books Sunset on Twitter, and they're Green Apple Books in the Park. On Facebook and uh, I think Instagram too. Any notable um, events coming up in April? Uh, well, we already mentioned Rachel's. Mm-hmm. Rachel, awesome. Yeah. Lisa Jameson, I'm going lastly. to that. Um, yeah, I don't know what else is coming. And that's all. Bookstore Day. I mean, for us, that's the, that's that's the, the 28th. Most fun day of yeah. The year. yeah. That's April, uh, 28th. April 28th. I know that because I was reading Pete's shirt. Yep, yeah, me too. <laughs> we'll do, uh, is it sweat? Is it dripping? Is it no, but, but it okay. says Getting April there. 28th. Yeah. But I also got to say, we had a meeting before this and we all said it was April 29th. So I'm glad I saw the shirt. Oh, that's it's April 29th. Last year, and unfortunately, that's my twin's birthday, and oh. it's bookstore oh. day is my wife's job. So <gasps> it, was, uh, it was a tough That it was a tough is day. a yeah. nightmare. This, this year, we miss it by a day, but unfortunately, the Bay Area Book Festival is the same day this year, so we feel like... How old are the um, twins? They're, uh, they'll be 12. Okay, you're, you're out of the woods. Day. If they were four, I'd go, ooh. Yeah. No, yeah, 12 is still hard. They're fine. We can drag them around to bookstores. They're happy with that. Yeah, uh, and that is a really fun day. We do all kinds of different events, and... Um, there's a, do you know Sylvie Al- Alcivar? Um, she's a poet yes. who just sits and sort of you talk to her for a couple yes. minutes and she oh, writes right. custom poems. Yes. Oh, cool. Kind of cute old typewriter. And um, <laughs> so she's coming that day. People love it. Um, we get a free keg from a local brewer. And, <laughs> I'm in. Um, yeah. So right, we do Larry's going to be there. And Will, like Willie Blotton well. and I are in. Okay. <laughs> you and Willie. I'll be coming by for sure. Uh, Bridget, how about you? Um, oh, how to get a hold of me? Yeah, before you do that. Okay, before we, I do that, um, I'm going to talk about myself, and it is at bequintrust on Instagram and Twitter or bridgetquinnauthor.com for everything else. As for me, at that Larry Rosen on Instagram and Twitter, uh, no website. Again, no website. Wow. I know. It seems so it's easy. So I know. Terrible. As for us here at the Grotto Pod, uh, we are at the Grotto Pod on Twitter, uh, Facebook Grotto Pod. You can email us at grottopod at gmail. But no one does. <sighs> We're no not one supposed to tell them that. Oh, sorry. Com. Now I know where to send my thank you email. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, please do. That would be the first one. That would yeah. be awesome. <laughs> that would be amazing. Now, why don't you tell us who's responsible for this here podcast? Well, what I really want to say is thanks to our amazing partners, the San Francisco Public Library and Babylon Salon, the premier literary series of San Francisco. That's right. Um, also, thanks to our producers, Lee Kravitz, Beth Weingarner, and Lori Ann Doyle. Hey, that's great. And I left out, don't forget, if you can't get enough of me, Oh yeah. go to isitgoodforthejews.com, and you can hear me on another podcast. Can't forget that. Not talking about books, though. Okay. All right. That's it for us. Uh, we're going to go to lunch here with Pete and right. uh, expose him to the whole grotto. And I think just to mix things up, this week I'm going to be the one to say read specifically items purchased at Green Apple Books. Write and just keep working. Keep working.